The Lord be with you, everyone. And I want to read tonight from a very well-known passage of Scripture. In fact, I'm sure we've dipped into this before, but it's come especially alive to me at this time. It's Psalm 103, and in verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I say we know that. Some memorize that in Sunday school. But what I want to get into is the cry of David here, which is forget not all his benefits. It's an interesting psalm in that it begins there with David actually talking to himself. That does occur elsewhere, but it's not very often. Normally the psalms erupt in David's heart speaking directly to God. But in this occasion, he's turning within and talking to himself. I believe that's very important for all of us. Uh, we many times allow self to talk to us. Uh, it, it's a good thing to talk to yourself. That is, David was taking authority over his inner invisible person. You, you understand what I mean? That there is within me, could I say, a continual um, flowing of chat. Do you know what I mean? There, there's a million voices. It's voices of what they say and what he said and she said and, and, and voices of what the general world opinion is. And, and all these voices coming in, and their voices about what is now happening, what did just happen, and can you believe what happened? And, and also a lot of voices coming from tomorrow, um, insinuating of what might perhaps and should and could and maybe be happening. Voices, voices, voices. The chatter that goes on inside our heads. And David is addressing that. And sometimes uh, the, the will that which rises within us is not too much for rising. You know, there, there's a sort of sleepiness within, and we're drifting with the current, the current of this world system. And, and we're not really taking much notice of anything, of, of where we're going or what we're saying. And so he addresses himself. That is, he gives a voice that echoes through his inner being and demands. And you have that right, because you are the owner of you. And you own all that is within you as well as own your body. And so, therefore, he speaks with voice of authority and he speaks into all that which would be distracting, all of the chatter, all of the inner sleepiness. And he commands his inner being to delight in the Lord and to forget not all of his benefits, which we might understand as all his graces, all the grace that cascades upon your being. Don't forget it, says David. Don't forget it. All his blessings that attend your way, do not forget. Do not forget. It's very important. This word forget is found um, throughout the Scripture, especially in the Old Testament. I, I don't know if you've noticed it. It's there, and I suppose the word forget sometimes, well, it's not that important, and when we sort of skip over it. But in the Bible, the word forget is a very important word. It's connected with the covenants of God and how, shall I say it, how we access God uh, in, into his very triune heart. And, and so 
it's an important word also because it's not anything to do with our English word forget. That can be a little confusing to begin with and to get used to thinking of this word as they understood it in Bible days. And so when, when the Bible says forget, it's not talking about amnesia, nor is it talking about a, a lapse of memory. It's got nothing to do with that. Um, so when, when you go harassed through your house saying, I forget where I put my keys, well, that's an English word, but it's not what this word means. This is a different word altogether, and I say again, it is connected at a very vital level with the covenants of God. So, what does the biblical word forget mean? Okay, it means that you leave, that's a key word to understanding this, you leave a God event. When God has entered into a word with the human, when he has done a great act for human, when he has revealed himself in a fashion they had never known before, a God event. God has come where man is and revealed himself in word, in action, in his glory. Well, to forget means I leave that event. I leave it locked into that past point in history. And therefore it is not, and maybe never, released from there into this now present moment. Do you understand that? It happened. And in our English sense of the word, you can remember that it happened. It's the same as you remembered the dates when you took history class in school, and you, you know about it. But there it is, locked away in the past, and has nothing to do with today. And so you simply know about it. And as far as any dynamic, as far as any energy, as far as any life-transforming power, there it is back there, inaccessible. You, you understand? It's back there. I'm here. And, and to me and that event, I, it's inaccessible. I, it's back there. It's locked away there. That's where it belongs, isn't it? It's history. And so, therefore, it has become irrelevant to my here and now. And, and let's, let's lock that down, that when I say irrelevant, what, what does the covenant God made with Abraham have to do with your working in the corporation that you're working in? Answer that question. What does the resurrection of Jesus have to do with you living in your neighborhood? You see what I mean? So the, these great God events have become irrelevant. They're talked about sort of on Sunday, and we sing hymns about them, kind of. Uh, but after that, well, uh, you get on with life, don't you? Uh, and what, what on earth has all that got to do with my position in the office? What's it got to do with me as a salesperson? You see what I mean? What's it got to do with me going to school? It's, it's irrelevant. I, I know the facts, and um, I, that, that's good to know. Good to know. Christians know those sort of things, don't they? But no, you see, if, if that's all it is, then the Bible says you've forgotten. That, that's the meaning of the word. It's irrelevant to the here and to the now. And, and you have no doubt that it's an historical fact, this God event, when God revealed himself to a certain group of humans at a certain point in history back there somewhere, well, that was very important, I'm sure. But to me, now, it's irrelevant, and it makes a interesting curiosity, interesting talk around a church supper, I suppose. But as to life, it means very little. And, and when I say this, I'm not describing the outsider. I'm not describing the agnostic or the atheist or the rebellious. These are people, the, the word is used all through Scripture, people who know jolly well what God did. But 
you understand life moves on and and, and it, it just becomes something for interesting study uh, if you're into that sort of thing uh, and otherwise interesting conversation with certain kinds of people and so i suppose we could say the word forget to pull it out a bit more means to ignore you you know that happened and you know it was important in its day but as far as this ticking moment of time i have forgotten that is i'm ignoring it really and i i don't mean to be nasty about it but i'm ignoring it that's where so many people would say they are they're not listening to the truth of the words as they apply in this now present i say they're irrelevant and so yes god said that and god did that well that's it it's lost all freshness you know it's turning brown at the edges it's like old stale bread all, all, all the life has gone out of the thing there it is and the bible says you've forgotten it how how do you forget how does that work very interesting i'd say number one and wherever this crops up it's number one it is that you didn't do anything with that word that was spoken you see it's just got nothing to do with your head it's got nothing to do with your brain it's it's how much of that which god said are you now putting into practice and doing in your life and if you don't practice it and do it into life the bible says it's forgotten it, the promises of god great and glorious but to what extent does a person act upon those promises act as if indeed they are the absolute and final truth not to act upon what god has said the bible says is to forget it it is um when i look at the great acts of god then it, it to forget means i say well that was wonderful then and god did that then and his power was manifest then but today well that's a different matter isn't it and and at that point um we, we find a lot even in commentaries i i don't know how much you dip into commentaries on scripture but um some of them I, I, they almost you know they make my blood run cold in fact I, I was reading one just the other day and i mean th these are names of persons who make commentary on scripture and they they've been important in church history and i read what they say and i i'm staggered you know it was speaking about the miraculous it was speaking about healing of the sick and and, and opening the eyes of the blind and the deaf hearing you know that the whole thing that jesus did and, and not only jesus but all of the persons that filled the new testament uh, the believers it said these signs shall follow those who believe and go on to say that and this commentary basically said and i'm not exaggerating here at all it, it said well this was wonderful for the early church but of course god stopped doing this and therefore this is no longer of any importance to us i mean that was a statement of a theologian that whole scales of scripture are just dumped and said very interesting history something that we really should have a lesson on just to see what used to be but we all know that doesn't happen anymore don't we incredible but how how much as you go through the scripture do you find yourself basically saying the same thing this was fantastic for paul it was wonderful for peter marvelous for those earliest believers but obviously it doesn't work like that today does it and, and we dismiss it we know all about it we can discuss it but no it, it's not for today is it, it doesn't work today and, and there are some poor souls who think well it just might work today and so they go off on what they call deeper life 
You know, that's for the special few, the elite, the Cadillac kind of Christian. Maybe for them, but not for the average guy, no. And, and lastly, the, to forget means that you listen to another voice. If you do not listen and do the voice of that original entrance into time-space history of the Word of God, then I'm going to listen to something else. And in the Old Testament, they listen to demon gods that are called variously, but the supreme one was Baal. And they listened to Baal, and Baal was the god that encouraged big business prosperity and lots of sex on the way. It sounds very much like the Western god of today. But there you have it. A person, the Bible calls, who has forgotten is not listening to that voice of God that spoke once in history. No, why should I? That was a long time ago. And I'm not doing my life today in the power of that or in the light of that or acting in any way as if that is applicable to today. It's past. It's gone. And, and anyway, in, in today's world, there's so much going on that I, I, that wouldn't work today. Sounds like bail, doesn't it? Let, let me give you very quickly, I'm not going to preach on these, but just to get very quickly a look at, at how the, what I've just said is applicable. Psalm 78, verse 5, it says, He established a testimony in Jacob or in Israel, established a testimony. That is, God spoke. God testified concerning himself, who he is, and his purpose and plan. And it says he, he commanded this to the fathers. And maybe a better way was he implanted that in the midst of the people as his agenda, his purpose. This is where I'm going. And he did so, it says, that they should teach them these testimonies, they should teach them to their children. That is, keep bringing it up to date. That the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children. They said this has always got to be fresh in the mouths of every generation in order that they, all people, should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments and not be like their fathers. A generation that did not prepare its heart, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Did you get that? He said he spoke his word, that his word might be in generation after generation as fresh as when he spoke it, and that the people should do it and keep it so they would not forget. Think about that. Look at, look at verse 10 here. But it says they did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in his law, so they forgot his deeds and his miracles. It, it's, this is very important. It's not just to know. It is to actually put it into practice. One more from, from Psalm 106, where it speaks in verse 7. Um, Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember your abundant kindness, so they rebelled. They didn't remember. They forgot. In verse 13, they quickly forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. The, this, this was brought home to me um, in my very, very early life, in my 20s, even a tad before that. At, at the age of 17, I began to memorize the New Testament. And, and I finished around when I was 21, somewhere in there, and then began um, becoming totally familiar with the Old Testament, almost memorizing. And I was feeling pretty good about it, you know. Not too many people um, could say they did that. Uh, and I, I suppose if I was getting um, pins in Sunday school, they'd be dragging around my ankles, you know. It, um, 
But then this truth dawned upon me that I could know by heart the entire Bible and it meant absolutely nothing. In fact, it could be said that I'd forgotten God because the only thing that matters is not what your head has known and memorized, but what you're actually doing and keeping and acting upon. Do you get it? And and so I never after that became too excited about the memorization because it would spend the rest of my life doing what I had memorized. And it was only when I did it that I knew it and had remembered God into the heart of my life. Does that make sense? See, we can have a, a library of religious information in our heads. You can get A pluses. You can graduate from Bible school, top of the class. It means nothing unless you're doing what you know, unless you're taking these things and words and events out of the past and living them in today. That's what it's saying. It's unless I am doing it, if if it doesn't deeply from my will and my ambitions and my thoughts and imagination and my words as well as my actions, if it doesn't deeply affect my outlook on life, then really, it's nothing. It's a puff of smoke. You've forgotten God. Is it beginning to understand? It's it's when you share with someone the the wonder of God's Word, especially as it applies to the present circumstance they're going through, and their response is, yes, but... I've been guilty of saying that, so I've got a right to to say it about others. Uh, Yes, but. You know know how quickly that comes? Yes, but that is, yes, I know God said that. I, I know that is what God revealed himself to be and to do. But if you were living where I'm living, you would understand that that's a bit far off, you see. That yes, but means I've forgotten in biblical sense of the word. I tell you what forgetting in the Bible is. It's a photo album. You know, photo, and I suppose I'm showing my age when they used to be great big books. Now, of course, you have it all on the uh, internet or wherever and it would but but when we had the books and then you you took these photographs which of course were uh, took a good deal of your time to take them and, and and then you would put them into the book It'd be your photo album well you know 10 20 years afterward especially when you get as old as me and you go back to those and you turn the page and they've turned brown a little tattered at the edges from much turning and you look at those persons in those old brown photographs and, and, and you, you get very sentimental and you say, they're not with us anymore, not with us anymore. Or you could say it's like a scrapbook, that, that book that's got a bit of all that happened to you. And, and, and you look back and, ah, oh, yes, I did that. And of course, that's a closed book now. You've moved on. You're older. It's different. But it's good to look back, you see. But the Bible says that is forgetting. That you, you don't go to the Bible and look at old tattered photos of the triune God and say, wasn't it wonderful when? You don't go back even to the day that you first came to know Jesus and say, that was the day, that was the hour. Let me read you my testimony of what happened. I, I'm, I'm thrilled with that which happened, what, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Marvelous. But what's happening This morning, what's happening today? You can get stuck back there with your photographs of what you were once, what happened once upon a time, especially some of those of you that would be charismatics. And of course, I've been up to my earlobes with with you folks um, when you you hear it. I was baptized with the Spirit on Sunday. And you go on and say what happened to you. Quite frankly, it doesn't matter. I, I don't give a fig. 
What is happening today? How are you moving this day in the light of the gospel? How do you move today in the power of the demonstration of the Holy Spirit? Because if all we have is a photograph in some religious mental album, it happened, you see, happened. Do you remember that revival? Or when you get after 50 years old, I suppose, you're old, the good old days, the days when, the days when. Uh, and today they don't know anything about it. And we had, yes, but you're still part of today. You don't know anything about it either now. It, it's, it's no longer with us. It's the great world of used to be. It's the sentimental sigh of the person who thinks they're so spiritual, sighing for revival, when all they're announcing is they've forgotten. Well, what, what do we believe? People are like, well, what do you believe? Well, the true answer is follow me around for a month and you'll soon find out what I believe. Because what I believe is not some little paragraph in our church doctrines. What I believe is not trying to tell you a list of facts. What you believe is what you have not forgotten, but you are actually doing and keeping and it, it holds your expectancy. It, it grips your anticipation. Do you, do you get what I'm saying here? Anything else, anything else, if we don't live it, if it doesn't filter through in our words, if it, it doesn't show on our face, in our outlook and anticipation of life, if, if it doesn't, then it's just mental forgotten clutter. And also ammunition to debate and argue with other believers and separate from them. Sounds like God, doesn't it? Um, I, I tell you, David is illustrating here what he's talking about. And we kind of miss it in um, our English translations. Only kind of, though. Let me, he is saying, forget not all his benefits. Then goes on to actually do that. David does it, forgets none of his benefits. And in my um, New American Standard, it says, who pardons all your iniquities. And really, that's, that's it. That's a good translation. But in Young's literal translation, which um, is just that, I mean, you couldn't read it in public. It, it, it would become very confusing sometimes in English. But in that literal, the literal Hebrew translation is who is pardoning all our iniquities, who is healing all our diseases, who is redeeming our life from the pit, who is crowning us with loving kindness and compassion, who is satisfying our years with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagle. Did you notice the difference? And I say, uh, where it says who pardons, that's present tense, but somehow it doesn't have the bite to it. Uh, what, is, what David is saying, this is not ancient history. This isn't something that happened back there and wasn't it wonderful. He said right at this micro moment, right now at the pulse beat of my life, he is the one who is pardoning. He is the one who is healing me. I'm not looking back and saying, do you remember when God did? I'm not saying one of these days when he will. I'm saying right at this moment, right in the breath that comes out of my mouth to say this, he is forgiving. He is healing. He is redeeming. He's breaking shackles right at this very moment. He is crowning and he's weaving a crown with compassion and loving kindness around my head so that it's like a, a glorious radiance from my very being, his love and his compassion. He is at this moment satisfying me with good things. It's dynamically present, not locked up in the past. And so when I face this present situation, I face it from the God who now is. And he is this. And in the light of that, I act indeed as if he is this. 
and I think and I imagine as if He is all of this. Everything God has ever revealed Himself to be that He is in this moment. Forget not, which is um, maybe a strong way of saying um, remember, because to forget not, biblically speaking, is that other great Bible word, remember. You go through the concordance on forget and remember, and you will see the enormity of this, especially if you get the, the definition of these words. And remember, the same as forget, is nothing to do, nothing to do with our English word remember. The word remember in the Bible means to actually bring an event that presently is in the past, but you bring it into this present moment that it should be immediately present to you and releasing its original freshness, its original power and energy and authority into this present moment right now. Do you get it? To forget it is to leave something back there. It's historic to forget about it. Um, I mean, we get on with life now, and that's where it is. To remember means to take that and bring it right into this moment of time and cause that to be the very form in which I make my life, choose my future, make my decisions. Remember. I tell you, there's a very interesting... It's in the New Testament. Um, you remember Jesus had fed the 5,000 with, with the loaves and the fishes. You know that story. And, and you, you remember, do you, that uh, the disciples had actually been working with Jesus in that. If we read the account carefully, um, Jesus took the bread and the fishes and blessed them. Then he gave them to the disciples. The disciples gave to the people. So the, the miracle of, of feeding these tens of thousands of people out of a little fish sandwiches um, actually took place in their hands. And, and I'll leave it at that. We're not preaching on that now. But, but it had happened, and they had seen it. They had been those right in the middle of it. And if you read the whole account right up to Matthew 16, verse 5, where I'm really getting to, it, it seems that their attitude was, this has got to be the day of days. I mean, can you believe it? I mean, put this in your scrapbook. I mean, did, did, you, did you see it? I mean, I just had a little sandwich of fish in my hand, and I, I fed that whole group over there. Amazing. This is, this is a story to tell your grandkids, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, they'd sit up half the night talking about it, wondering at it. But then, sometime later, they're going across the Sea of Galilee, as they often did. And they're going to be gone across the water, and then after the water, they'll be out there in basic wilderness or odd places. And they suddenly realized they've forgotten to take bread. They left the picnic basket at home. They've got nothing to eat. And then Jesus is talking about bread. Actually, he's talking about leaven of the Pharisees, but, but they're so concerned, even obsessed with the fact that we, we've got nothing to eat today. We, we forgot to bring the bread. And this talk about Pharisee bread, uh, he must be, Jesus knows we've forgotten and he's sort of getting at us for it. Jesus realized what they were saying. And he said this, or something like this. He says, don't you understand? You're talking about having no bread to eat for lunch and dinner. Um, don't you understand? Don't you remember how we fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes? What was Jesus saying? Oh, please get this. Jesus was saying that wasn't something that is now locked up on a certain day 
with a certain historical crowd of people. And when that day was over and gone, well, it's done, it's over. That's it. We'll talk about it forever. We'll even write a book about it, put it in the book, and, and, and we'll tell our kids and our grandkids and we'll all wow and wonder and, and you, you'll feel so good because you were there. Jesus, no, no. That you remember that forever. That is in this boat on the Sea of the Galilee. Remember, don't you remember when there was nothing to eat? We took the most ridiculous five loaves, two fishes. Uh, and those loaves really would be five tortillas. Don't get the idea of great big wonder bread. They're, they're just enough for a kid's lunch. And, and you, you were with me. I mean, part of the whole thing, you fed the multitude. Uh, what's the problem? That was not just to give you goosebumps. That was to tell you from that moment on, remember it, that is bring it into this moment, bring it into that moment, bring it into this place and that place, that wherever we are, we shall never starve. Wherever we are in ways beyond our comprehension right now, He will cause us to have the food we need. So that's the end of all your fears concerning food. Unless, of course, you forgot it. You see, to forget means, I know it happened, it just doesn't apply to today. It was wonderful when it happened, but it's irrelevant today. And Jesus was saying to them, in effect, have you forgotten? Do you think that was just for that day? No, I was releasing something into your lives, into the human race, the care of God and the provision of God. You never forget Rather, you remember, you don't leave it on that day, but you bring it into this day to your refrigerator, to your dinner table. I think they got the message because they recorded that. James uses the same word and idea in James chapter 1 where he talks about looking in a mirror and seeing your face and then you walk away and you've forgotten what you look like. Uh, and he was just saying, you look into the gospel and you see who you are in Christ Jesus and walk away and forget everything about it. You, you still think of yourself as a mere human instead of being indwelt by the Spirit of God. He said, don't forget. Remember who you are in Christ. Let everything that looks past. Well, let me say this. It is past if we're on the human timeline. I mean, these were historical events. But in the Holy Spirit, they are present right now in all their authority in life, in all their power. Remember, realize there's no yesterday with God. There's no was he is he's the living god and he's present to us now and everything he has revealed himself to be that he is and we are now the recipient of all his promises and all the powers that were released throughout the ages and he's saying here i am i do not change i am the lord i change not and the amazing thing is, released like that to millions of persons in all different places, in all different times, and here we are. And that one event is present to every one of them and has been present for 2,000 years. And we're Johnny come lately. And we're realizing it's as real, as fresh as it was the first day it happened. Of course, you can't make it happen. As a fact, you cannot make it happen. So don't get lost in that maze of trying to stir up your feelings to feel like you think you should be feeling, if that was present to you. Stop trying to cook up imaginations. How, how does this wonder of 
remembering happen? How do we forever say goodbye to forgetting and enter into God's world of remembering? You begin by staying in the present moment. That seems pretty obvious, doesn't it? And yet that is the most difficult thing for the flesh to do. Because only in the present moment do you know the living present God. In the present moment, that's the only place you can access through the living now Jesus to the heart of the Father. This is where the Holy Spirit is in this present moment. I think this this little five minutes I'm giving here, you could this is this could be it for some people. We find that well, the flesh finds it impossible because in the present moment I confront the reality of God's love. In the present moment I confront the reality of the living God in Jesus Christ. It's here, right here, tick-tock. Yes, but we missed it in the middle there. The tick-tock in the middle is this now moment. Now, the flesh loves to go back. That's why the flesh is always forgetting, because it always goes back and then locks the door and says, that's what was. It's the flesh that sits there and turns the pages of the old tattered photographs and says they're not with us anymore. That's the flesh. God is was. God is used to be. God is no more. He's back there. Or he's up there. And the religious flesh will always give you formulas and equations to get up there where he is. And, and, and when you've got your act together, when you cleaned yourself up, when you're doing this, doing that, doing the other, then, 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 and there is always up ahead. Life is a carrot in front of your donkey nose. It's, it's always up there, up there. And religion will always give you not only that it's up there, but always give you these do's and don'ts in order to get there quicker than others. Stay in the present moment, right at this minute. See, what is anxiety? Anxiety is being in the present moment, but totally lost and abandoned to the future. I act as if I'm not in the present moment. I live in what if and suppose, and wouldn't it be terrible if, and it's everything that's going to happen tonight, this afternoon, tomorrow, next year. It's... But the present moment, do you, you get what I'm saying? The present moment right now, that's not what's going to be in five minutes. Right now, right in this now, right now, I am present to the God who is right now. And I am totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can make known to me in my life and experience in this now moment all the great works of God and the revelations that He has given to us. It is only the Holy Spirit that can do that. Um, John chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus is speaking of the Holy Spirit coming and He would be the helper and He would be the teacher of this life. And being the teacher, it says, He shall bring all things to your remembrance. It's the Holy Spirit who does this. Come on, this, this is another world, isn't it? You're, you're so used to looking at everything back there in history, history. Uh, I mean, yesterday is history. But the fact is, in God, we live in a different dimension. There's no other word for it. For, for yes, it's history. I mean, no way denying that. It's history. God spoke on a certain date in a certain place. But in this now moment, the Holy Spirit connects me to that. He brings it to my remembrance. He brings it to me, immediate to me in all its powers and all its promises. And I become the recipient of the living God, not the was God, not the will be God, but the is God. 
which I now, in the same power of the Spirit, turn that into action, to act as if that is true, which 90% of the time or more makes you look idiotic. So that in the midst of dark days, you in this now moment see that God is your light and your strength and your hiding place and your refuge. God is the one who has not, will not, is not leaving you, abandoning you, but is everything that you need. And so your response to God is to give him thanks and praise. It is a peace then in this present moment that passes human understanding. The only way you lose that peace is to leave the present moment and go into tomorrow and say, well, what if that happens? And, and you, you lose that dynamic connection to, to act as if this is true. To act indeed as if my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. To act indeed as if the love of God is poured out in my heart and then becomes fruit in my life of love and goodness and joy and peace to others. It's the Holy Spirit that makes this remembrance happen. And of course, the remembrance of all remembrances is Jesus. Jesus is all the events of God. Jesus is all of the revelation of God. He's all of the promises of God summed up in an ultimate finality in the person of Jesus. And in his life, in his sufferings and death and resurrection and ascension, then he cried, it's finished. It's done. It's finished. And therefore... If it's finished, it means that everything God ever wills to be to us and give to us is done and complete in Jesus. The Holy Spirit connects me in this present moment so that Jesus and all that he did is not just history, but the throbbing vitality of my life now. Is this, is this getting home? Look, put, put it this way. Um, when a person preaches, and of course that would include when, when you're sharing your, your faith with others. Um, do, you, do you remember 1 Corinthians 2? Uh, Paul says, when he came to Corinth, he says, when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming the testimony of God. That is it. I, I didn't come like, like the perfect salesman who's going to, you know, manipulate you with words. No, he says, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you, in fact, in much weakness, fear, much trembling. My message and my preaching were not in persuasive, manipulating words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So he said, when I spoke, I, I, I was not talking and giving a lecture about a Jesus far back there in history, but the Holy Spirit demonstrated in you this living Jesus who loved you and gave himself for you. Demonstrated. And he says, I did this so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. That is, he said, I, I could use fantastic words and I could learn, uh, do everything I'd learned in, in, you know, how to be a good salesman. But that would mean you, you would simply believe me like you believed a car salesman. You, your faith would rest on the wisdom of men. But he said, when the Holy Spirit brings Jesus in his now reality, you actually meet then in your spirit with Jesus and your faith rests upon that demonstrational power of the Spirit. What about baptism? Read Romans 6 and also you could read in Ephesians 1 and in Ephesians 2. Um, but let me sum it up that in, in Romans 6 it says in effect that in baptism, you entered into 
the death of Jesus. You entered into the burial of Jesus so that it talks of you actually in a sort of co-crucifixion, a co-burial, a co-resurrection and ascension. You, you were crucified with Christ, in Christ. When he was crucified, you were crucified. And, and in baptism, you do that in symbol, right? Um, you, you stand in the water and, and you do so helplessly because you can't baptize yourself. And, and so helpless, but you something's going to be done to you. Something's going to happen to you at the hands of another. Uh, and they place you under the water or they pour water over you, which gives the same symbol. And, and they, then you come up out of the water or, or if it's poured over you, you emerge out through the top. And, and, and what's, it's a symbol, what of? That you were crucified and buried, that you were raised up. And, and, and as you are saying that in that present moment, that your, your whole person is not just a mental thing, it's not just somewhere hidden deep in your spirit or emotions, though it's all of that, but it actually involves your body so that you feel the water around your knees and upon your head. And, and, and in that symbol that is locked into a very real present moment, you are saying, you're testifying in symbol that I am absolutely one with Christ and I am raised with Christ. And you walk out of the baptism in symbol, you're ascending. And, and the way we do it is that at that point we pour oil over your head that you are then now receiving from the ascended Jesus the giftings of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit remembers the finished work of Jesus into your act. And you will look back on that moment and say, I am crucified with Christ. Look me in the eye. Nevertheless, I live, yet it is not I, it's Christ who lives in me. Those who believe, said Paul in Romans 8, have crucified the flesh in Christ. Does that make sense? See, if, if you were part of, um, what should I say, as, as believers who, who forget and talk about that distant historical act of Jesus without any dynamic remembering it into my life, then baptism becomes a nonsensical wash on the way. I don't know, we just throw you underwater. What a jolly good idea. Um, <clears throat> no. It's a symbol, and it's a symbol that through the Holy Spirit conveys what it symbolizes. That I, I here in, in 2017, I've actually entered into the reality that I was crucified with Christ. It's a time warp. It's no longer 2,000 years ago. It's now. It's here. I'm done with. I'm finished. I'm buried. It's over. I... Rise, the new me that is new because I'm in Christ and Christ is in me and for me to live is Christ. That's remembering. And, and you, you, how do you live on after that? Well, I live, yet not I, it's Christ who lives in me. For me to live is Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Or as Jesus said, abide inside of me and I abide inside of you. That's how you live the Christian life. But are you hearing me? I didn't say think about Jesus. I didn't say that you sit down and say, what would Jesus do? So help me, let me think. No, that, that borders on forgetting, you see, because remembering is he's here, he's now. But more than here and now, he's here and now. And I'm in him, and he's in me, and I live. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that is the very fruit of the life of Jesus, is love. Not will be if you try hard enough. Not will be if you read your Bible enough. The fruit of the Spirit is 
love and joy and peace. We've remembered the living, ascended Jesus and He dwells in us. Isn't that what the body of Christ means? I know you've, know you've heard those words, but body of Christ, it means He is the head and we are the body. It's an organic union between us. And when He thinks, I think. When He moves, I move. We are one. Huh. Well, see, the Eucharist, the Holy Communion, that actually has the word in it. Do this in remembrance of me. It's not sitting. Oh, dear, how many... Before I got this, I sat there on a Sunday morning and go through the service of Holy Communion and it was, oh dear, everybody was trying, trying, trying to imagine the sufferings of Jesus. That's not what it means. Jesus said, do this in the remembrance of me. That is, as you eat of this bread and drink of this wine, you are actually imbibing the humanity, the body and blood the Lord Jesus Christ. He is your food. He is your strength. He is your ligaments. He is the muscles of your being, your true being. For you to live is Christ. Live in union with Him. And you remember it into that moment. And you remember the, the fact that Jesus is not a was. He is. And therefore, and that's why we see so many persons who come to faith I mean, faith to live this life, come to healing of their body in the midst of the Holy Communion because of the isness. When we lay hands upon the sick, when we do anything, pray even in the name of Jesus. I've heard people say, well, that, that's sort of power of attorney. He gave us his name. No, no, no. Power of attorney means that the owner of that name's left, gone. You're left to do, hopefully, what he, she wants you to do. No, Jesus, when he gave us his name, he was saying, he is here, he is now, and when we act in his name, we pray in his name, we minister in his name, it is he, it is us, it is us, it is he. The we who is one so when we lay hands upon the sick, it is his hands in our hands. When we pray in the name of Jesus, it's not just saying that at the end of the prayer. It means we are praying knowing that we're joined with his voice to the Father. Knowing that our poor bumbling prayers are made one with his prayers, even as his prayers are made one with ours. Oh, this is big, isn't it? No wonder David said, talk to yourself. Don't let you, don't be drifting through life going nowhere. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, everything that is within me, get this. Forget not all his benefits. Live in this now moment and let the Holy Spirit realize this in your life as you speak it, as you act it symbolically. Let it be so. Let it be so. We, the reason this is fresh to me, we are, <clears throat> um, this is the, the weekend that we're graduating um, our, our Bible school, what the, one of the modules that goes on, we're graduating. And I always think about it. The, these students have spent 120 hours with me here in San Antonio um, over, the, what, two, three years. And, and the, the tragedy would be if they fell for what I nearly did back in my 20s, because you know it, then you've got it. No. Um, and I speak to all who have been to Bible school. I speak to my fellow pastors and leaders. It's, it's not all that stuff that you learned about. It's not everything you're supposed to know because you're a church member. It's not even getting A plus and superior grades in a Bible school or college. It is knowing He who is the sum total of all God's heart is immediately present to you and in you and His life is your life. His death, resurrection, ascension is yours too. And from henceforth for you to live in this 
dynamic, throbbing moment for you to live is Jesus Christ. Amen. And now the blessing of God, who is almighty love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That blessing is in your life. Right at this now moment, His grace cascades through your life that you know by experience the love of God and the peace and the joy which is unearthly, the kindness and compassion of the heart of Jesus, that you may impact your world wherever you are and be. So I bless you. So it is.